Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. All right, listen, it's 931. The market just opened. I'm here with Wolf Financial Stock Market News. My main man, Guy Adami, who's uh, working a chairlift or a forklift or some sort of lift. Um, we do these trading spaces. You guys do yours. What do you guys call it? What, what is yours generally, your your stock chats? What do you guys call them? We come up with different names for all of them. We've got our Monday morning ones, which was Good Morning Fintwit. <laughs> we have, you know, all different types of stuff. Yeah, whatever whatever name we can throw at it. Play of the week, you know, power hour, whatever. Well, I like it. You guys are doing a lot of great content and you're building a really nice community and you're bringing a lot of really interesting voices. And one of the things that, you know, Guy and I, um, you know, who've been doing a lot of our own content for a while now, and we've been doing it on CNBC. I always find it really refreshing to get some different voices, some people who approach markets from, you know, a non-institutional sort of fashion. And you guys have built a great audience and a really nice community. So it's it's our pleasure to do this, you guys, today. Um you know, a little different vibe this morning in the markets. I see a lot of green. I don't see rip roaring. You know, like it's not like one of those squeeze days. Remember last week we had that um, that rip. Maybe it was was it Tuesday where the S and P was up two percent, the Nasdaq was up a little more, and things were just ripping your face off if you were short. Today feels a little 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 less. It seems non convicted. What are you guys? What are you guys seeing? What are you thinking? I hope that it really does hold here off the bat, you know, pretty worried about giving up those January 24th lows that we were seeing. And I think the cues are pretty damn close to them. Hey, Spies I, not I, I, you in, I gotta let oh, you dang. know a little secret that's happening. They're gone. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen today, but like we don't, I, in my opinion, we just haven't had all this kind of back and forth and given everything that we know why the markets have sold off that those lows are going to hold. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think there's going to be lower low. I think we're kind of in a one step up, two steps back. And and I got to say, guys said this last night on fast money and I don't, I, I think he's still listening here. It's like, no, I'm here. I'm here. Hi, I guy. Well, I, I got just, away from the forklift. I want to, I want to, you, you, you said this and, and maybe you can expand on it. You said actually the healthiest thing might be right for lower lows for the stock market. Explain that because, um, you know, stock market news or he just said, well, you know, I hope they hold the January 24th lows. And and I'm just curious your take guy on that. Yeah. I mean, listen, I guess I do as well. I mean, I understand Trust me, nobody understands more than I do that people, 99% of people want stocks to go up in perpetuity. I get it. But we've learned over the years that although it seems that way, and for the last few years, it obviously seems that way, that that really is not the reality of the situation. And you need to have these pullbacks for a number of different reasons. You need to flush some weak hands out. You need to create uh, new opportunities for new people, people that feel that they miss the run that typically would chase. Maybe they have better entry points. I just think it creates for a healthier environment. It's like, it's not unlike, by the way, forest fires. Like you need, you need forest fires for the old trees to burn down, new trees to grow. And if that is left 
unattended for a period of time, those fires get that much worse. And my point is, if the market just goes up every single day, the sell-offs that are inevitable become that much worse. So in my opinion, what you want to see right now is this flush, if not down to 4,000, that 3750 level to me makes a lot of sense. So again, I'm not wishing it, but I just think inevitably we'll talk about six to eight months from now, that was the best possible thing that could have happened. Yeah, get in there, guys. I'm just curious, and and, and again, I, I think that you weren't you weren't making the point like you know we you, you know this is this is it this is the point in which it has to happen. It was just we become accustomed in the age of like QE or, or Fed puts as is really you know in 2018 in Q4 when the stock market started selling off, we almost ticked 20 percent peak to trough. Um, decline and the Fed changed their tune. Now, this time it's going to be very different because they just don't really, you know, after years of QE now, two years and um, unusually low rates and, and unusually like dovish speak, they basically turned on a dime in the last few months here. And for them to change the other way would be a problem that the stock market was pushing them around. So I'm curious you guys takes on, on Guy's view on that. I think it kind of goes back to the term like don't fight the Fed. For the last two years, it's been don't fight the Fed, even more than that, don't fight the Fed on the way up. And I think we're about to see that over the next couple of months, don't fight the Fed on the way down. And, you know, how long is that going to last for? You know, my perspective, I'm 23, long-term investing. I have 10-year-plus time horizon. I think this is done within the year. You know, markets are forward-looking, and we still might have this quantitative tightening for more than a year or, you know, interest rates going up. But the market, I think, will digest it pretty quickly. Uh, what's pretty quickly in the grand scheme of things in the market, I would say a couple months, six months, whatever it is, max. So, uh, you know, I, I think this broad-based market selling creates opportunities in, in select names, and we'll, we'll see that going forward. You know, it, last year, speculation was, was so high, probably two years ago, but um, and, and we're just seeing a rebalancing of that. And there, it's interesting to see a couple names that haven't been knocked off as much as I would think um, as we've seen this broad-based selling. So, you know, my perspective as a long-term investor, I have taken the opportunity to buy small, small amounts and dips, quote-unquote dips, Facebook and Google. But, um, you know, I, I think that the market really has difficulty handling more than one headwind at a time. And this Russia-Ukraine plus the Fed, I think, has kind of caused us in this area from we were in chop for a while, I think, dealing with the Fed to where we're kind of in this pullback um, period. But, you know, I think the market is slowly digesting the Fed more. And I think uh, I see around the summer uh, us getting getting back to where we were. But uh, I think that once we, we get past this Russia-Ukraine situation, we will chop for a little bit more. So I don't know how much more down period we have in my head. But I do see us kind of chopping around and not really going up for a little bit. So my short term, medium term, next six months, I'm not super bullish. But, you know, from my perspective as a 10-year plus time horizon, I am taking that opportunity. To yeah, but I'm going to push back at you, my young friend. I, I don't know anybody other than Kathy Wood who has a 10-year time horizon. I, I mean that very sincerely. I yeah. mean, it's, it's really easy to say that, that that's what you have. But like, for instance, you could have said that about buying PayPal at $300, you know, seven months ago. And here's the stock at $100. And at sooner or later some risk management has to kick in. You know what I mean? So I think time horizons are like are moving targets when it comes to investing, especially in 
kind of, you know, markets like this that have been obviously, um, you know, at times propped up by, um, you know, really easy monetary policy, um, disregard for valuation, you know, all that, all the above. So I just, I, I you know, I, I'm just saying like, you know, 10 year time horizon, fantastic. Um, and, and this might be the buying opportunity of century here, but you could have made the same point six months ago. Um, and it would not have been, you know, and I, and the one thing I'll just say is this, and God, I'd love to get your take is like, if in 2018, the stock market sold off 20% because rates were going higher and there's a growth scare and maybe I'm missing something else. Well, the S&P is only down 10% right now from its highs. And we have dozens and dozens, maybe hundreds of stocks in our stock market that are down 50%. So you've had an all out crash in large parts of the stock market, yet the larger, you know, the, the broader market has not really you know has not done that has barely corrected if you will um and maybe that is because you know this continued concentration maybe that was the thing that ultimately saved it the thing that i thought would be the thing that took it lower um so that's the debate right now what happens from this moment on in apple and microsoft and alphabet and amazon and you know we already saw facebook is down 50 percent um nvidia is down you know 30 some percent tesla is down 30 some percent so if all of those stocks were to go down we're in a bear market and there's no viva reversal coming back from that in my opinion it's going to be it's going to take some time to work that out guy any thoughts there well i think time horizons i totally get it and i you know, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing without question. I'm, and I'm not here to cast aspersions in any way. But what I'll say is, I think what we've learned over the last few years, things move over the course of months the way it took, you know, eight to 10 years prior. I mean, stocks shouldn't move. Stocks the size of Facebook that Dan just mentioned shouldn't move 40% or so in a month and a half. It's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not particularly healthy. So, a lot of times over a 10-year period, you might have been looking for a 40% gain or thereabouts. Now you're getting those gains and losses in the course of months. So I think time time continuum has changed given what the market's doing. So although I understand what you're saying in terms of wanting to wait and be in it for the long term, there are situations where, you know, if stocks are move, again, 35 40% over the course of two weeks – What's wrong with taking profits if you're along that instead of waiting the commensurate 10 years? So I just think in terms of time, I think that entire thing has been skewed. And to a large part, it's been skewed, in my opinion, by the largesse of global central banks that are now trying to extract themselves from a situation that I don't think they're going to be able to extract themselves from. Yeah, there are two... Um tweets i saw this morning i just retweeted them and ryan dietrich i think is at lpl the s p 500 officially moved into correction territory again no none of us can really give a shit about that um this is a 33rd correction though or bear market so that would mean 10 percent decline um at least since 1980 and he's saying take note they aren't fun no one likes it but the one-year return later is nearly 25 percent and higher 90 percent of the time um so that's that's good data. I mean, there was also a tweet, a similar tweet from a woman named Sarah Posnek. Um, I think she's over at UBS with a similar sort of stuff. So we're getting to that period where I think people are like, all right, this could get real. And how do we think about things, you know, a year out or so? Um, hey, stock market news, what, what's your take like on the time horizon thing? I mean, uh, obviously, uh, Wolf just said he's taking a 10 year. And, and again, I mean, listen, I'm sure that the here, here's the thing about a 10 year time horizon. 
that would make sense in a broad market indice. It's really hard to do that on an individual stock. Look at a stock like Facebook, which is now down 50% or so, 45% in just the last few months or so from making an all-time high. This is a mature company, you know what I mean? And, um, and obviously, one of the reasons why the stock has come in is that 10 years into their mobile shift, right? Um, based on a couple of the apps that they, um, their initial, you know, blue page and then Instagram and then some of the other things that they've stolen from Snapchat reels and all this sort of stuff, WhatsApp, um, you know, people are really questioning what the future of this company is. So to have a 10 year time horizon on Facebook, it seems, yeah, I'm being patient, but who knows, man, this company really, what they just laid out with the meta thing tells you they're scared shitless about what their existing business is and how to monetize what this changing, you know, mobile, you know, kind of uh, internet environment looks like going forward, because it doesn't look like the environment when they went public in 2012. And, and obviously the metaverse or whatever that is, whatever they think their version of the metaverse is, it's going to be monetized very differently than the way their blue page was. All you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was Evan, uh, stock market news with the ten year time horizon. Um, I've been definitely on a shorter time period. And when you're looking at SPY here, uh, I hear you, Dan uh, and Guy. It would be interesting to have a drawdown here. I've been kind of waiting for it to fall to four ten. I think it's kind of destined to fall back to four ten. One of the more popular indicators that I use is a anchored VWAP. And when you go back to September 3rd, where then it really had that it, kind of that real run after the dip from there, that's where a lot of people have their average price at. And so I think we're kind of destined to come back down a little bit towards there. But my concern is you just pointed out, guy, uh, Dan, actually, that we had so many stocks that have taken 50, 60, 70 percent haircuts. And I'm curious, you know, if we fall below a couple more key levels, you know, certainly if we get below uh, even 400. Do we see the indice have a similar type correction? Is that possible? Because so much stuff has given up, you know, all of its COVID gains, uh, which would mean coming all the way back down to, you know, around 340. And I think, you know, with this intense run-up we've seen over two years, it's not unreasonable to think that that could happen. I'm um, a big drop. Um, and I just, you know, for myself, uh, I'm fine with it. I think if it picks a direction one way or the other, I actually trade on a pretty short time period and I don't mind, you know, buying puts and things along those lines. But I think for a lot of retail with their long bias, it's going to be pretty rough uh, if we see a big fall to those levels. No, I think it's fair. I think you make a great point in terms, and, you know, Dan has brought this up a number of times. The only thing that really hasn't moved in, in a meaningful way has been the broader markets in the form of the S&P and the NASDAQ. And, you know, there's some people that say that shows how resilient it is, and I get that. And there's the other school of thought that it's just a matter of time before they catch up to what some of these individual names have done. I'm sort of find myself in that school of thought. And again, you know, I've said this, so I'm not splitting the atom here. I'm not breaking any news, but David Tepper will come on the network and he will say, you know, very simply and to the, to the point where it's sort of almost agitating for me, if the Fed's adding liquidity, why fight the Fed? You know, he is the, you know, he is the flag waver of not fighting the Fed. And under those circumstances, if you're bearish, you're fighting the Fed. So if you're bearish when they're adding liquidity, you're fighting the Fed. So it stands to reason that when the Fed does a complete 180, which they have, and I think they will stay on this path, again, just my opinion, if you are bullish now, you're effectively doing exactly that. You're fighting the Fed. So 
I think this, I think the paradigm shift is uh, here. And I think today's going to be a fascinating day to see how the market trades. But I think we find ourselves in an environment now where people are looking to sell rallies more than they are looking to buy sell-offs. Yeah. One thing I would say, and Guy makes a good point about just what, you know, basically the fact that the S&P is down 10% and it did make a new high, I think in the second trading day of the year, the NASDAQ never confirmed those highs. And NASDAQ, you know, at its lows in January was down 17, 18%. That got really sloppy. And that meant obviously that some of the biggest components were not trading particularly well. Um, but Apple has traded really well. And we know as the largest component of the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, that certainly helps um, here. But but I, I just say this. I mean, look at the XP. Uh, the, the, if you look at the Nasdaq Composite, you know, you get back to thirteen thousand. That's a twenty percent peak to drop decline. And 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 I would say at that point to get there, because so many of the stocks in the Nasdaq have been absolutely bludgeoned, you're going to need those larger names to kind of kick into the downside a little bit. And and that would be the point, you know, where you might start picking at these things with more of maybe an intermediate term time horizon. You will get some really like awesome little short squeezes. Um, and really, I guess the issue that a lot of new entrants to the markets have to consider the last two times that we have seen asset bubbles burst in the stock market, we have seen protracted bear markets. Okay. So the market topped out in uh, the spring of 2000. The Fed was raising rates. It did not bottom until October in some parts of the market until October 2002 and spring of 2003. And it also took a little bit of a war there. And then uh, also then May of uh, or the spring of 2006 or summer, they were hiking again. And we had an asset bubble in housing and then related financial uh, products. The market topped out in November 2007, didn't bottom until spring of 2009. So the bear market we had in February, March of 2020 was obviously a black swan event and the Fed and the Treasury and Congress, I mean, they hit it with trillions and trillions and we had a V reversal. I think that was probably the worst lesson long-term, like new entrance to the market and people who want to take a long-term view on markets could have ever had. And one was just a free-for-all in the broad market, yet we had massive bear markets and big sentiment pockets of the market so to me 2022 was going to happen no matter what you you thought was going to you know going to occur on the geopolitical front um because you know when you're again hiking to avoid you know the the furtherance of of, of asset bubbles i mean at least the 20-year history of that um does not prove too well i mean that, that's just and and you can tell me it's different this time if anything What's different this time is much worse when you think of central bank balance sheets and we're literally into our third crisis here and the Fed and their ability to kind of, you know, kind of orchestrate, um, you know, orchestrate the sort of economy that they love to have. And Guy, you, you talk a lot about this. I mean, when you think about, I think you said it on one of our shows yesterday, they're given all the data that they have and where they sit and their inability to forecast, um, you know, the economy. It's like, why do you think that be, they'd be any good at doing the markets either? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, what gives you any confidence in them whatsoever? And again, I, I, I hope most of you, I'm sure, know this, but it's worth saying in case you don't, because I'm big on full disclosure, you know, I am not a fan of the Federal Reserve at all. I, I think they've totally screwed up, screwed the pooch on this one in a major way. And I think we're all going to be worse for wear. And I don't say they're malicious people, bad people, but history is littered with disastrous outcomes born of good intentions. But, you know, with that said, just think about this for a second. These are people 
whose judgment we rely upon. I mean, we as citizens of this country rely upon the judgment of these mostly men, some women, to get us through things. Okay, I mean, I think we all agree with that. Well, for many of these people, they didn't have the good judgment to understand it, although they were allowed to trade securities and stocks, maybe the optics of that were not particularly good. So the fact that they didn't have the foresight or to use the word for the fifth time, judgment not to do it, if they don't, if they're not smart enough to see that, I got to tell you something, I would have seen it. I would have been like, you know what, just doesn't pass the snip smell test. And I'm not the brightest bulb in the fixture, as Dan and the rest of you probably know. So again, the fact that we trust these people when you know, their judgment, when none of them approved to have any judgment whatsoever, is really troubling. And now they're going to try to navigate us through the biggest prop trade in the history of mankind. And quite frankly, they're not going to be able to do it. And it's going to have, and I'll use this word by choice, catastrophic uh, outcomes. Whoa. Um, all right, let's talk markets here really quickly, um, Guy, because I got to hop it at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. You probably do too. Um, these guys are much better talkers than we are here, but you know, a couple names that are on my radar today, uh, last night on fast money guy, we were talking about Palo Alto's, uh, really good quarter, good guidance stock was up seven, eight percent. Now it's up 5%. Um, uh, one of the kind of hallmarks of some of the good results that we've seen in the last couple of weeks is gap fills. I think that alphabet gap fill was probably the nastiest thing I've ever seen. I think the NVIDIA quarter in guidance last week, which was really good, um, and the stock subsequent 10% sell-off over the next couple of days was really bad. Um, Disney filled in a little of its gap. I mean, that, that's been just a theme, right? If we look around, Upstart filled in. I don't know what they do, but I, I know that that stock had a big gap. Um, you don't know what they week. do? No. I'm oh, just that's gonna, odd. I'm sorry. Don't to ask him. I, the I, mic I, might start cutting out. Sorry about that. Wait, what? I can't hear you. Um, so, I, you know, let, let's see if some of these stocks, you know, can hold these games. The other one is TJX, you know, um, reported this morning, stock's down 7%. Um, and I didn't really get a, a chance to look at the numbers, but that's making a new 52 week low. That stock has been range bound really between like 63 and 77 uh, or so for the last year. Um, just a lot of bad price action all over the place. The other thing I, I'd mention, and maybe these guys um, have a view, Tesla gave up yesterday. I thought that was really interesting. Um, Tesla was, you know, like really flirting with that $800 level. It feels like someone was just sitting there trying to hold it up. And if you go back, you know, from its breakout in October, just above 800 and went straight to like 1200. Um, I think 800 psychologically might be kind of a really interesting level. Curious guys on some of those names or, or other names that you're watching to kind of give a sense, because I see the market failing here. And, and, and also the other point is, I feel like today's the day or, or very soon we're going to see Apple and Tesla and a couple of these other names get a little sloppy. And that's where you maybe get capitulation in the broad market. TJX, is, and I got to hop in a minute, unfortunately, I'm sorry, but you know, you're right on TJX. I mean, we're 52 week low here. It's to me, I mean, if you look at this level we're at right now, specifically this $60 level, and this was a prior all time high back, I want to say in March of 2020. Um, and obviously we all sort of remembered what was going on then. So it's got to hold here. And I will tell you, and Dan and I talked about it last week. NVIDIA, I thought the quarter was great. I thought the guidance was great. The stock had sold off significantly into earnings, and the subsequent price action was shitty. And I say it all the time, good news, bad price action, that tells you something. And I think, unfortunately, 
that's seemingly what's going on now with a lot of these names, Dan. What, one quick one, you know, we've obviously seen energy stocks react to this and, and commodities to what's going on with, with Ukraine and Russia. And Guy, you pointed, you've been pointing out the potential for something there literally to the week you thought would happen. You've been saying this for months. Um, you know, you thought something would happen. And again, you know, you're, you're not like uh, the next coming of uh, Henry Kissinger here or anything like that. Um, but it happened. And, you know, the commodities started moving up into it. Electricity prices in Europe have been moving up. Energy stocks here and around the world have been moving up. Do you think that if there's something and you've also been suggesting that we could see something with Taiwan and China, what would be the knock on effects there? Would it be tech stocks? Would it be semiconductor stocks? You know what I mean? Would it be, a, you know, a stock like Taiwan Semi, which is one of the biggest, you know, um, you know, fab, um, you know, fabs in the world yeah. is the biggest. Stock. No, so is that, is that is that ground zero for maybe palpitations from something over there? I think Russia, Ukraine is ground zero for commodities for a number of different reasons. Ukraine, rich country in terms of commodities, minerals, those types of things. And I think China, Taiwan is sort of ground zero for the tech trade. So you put those two together, you have a pretty unhealthy brew. And I'll stand by it. I mean, I'm not wishing this shit. But to me, the Russia, Ukraine thing was about as obvious a situation as you could look to in terms of when it would take place. And you mentioned it. You know, this is not revisionist history. We were talking about this in, you know, in the fall of last year. And I think China, Taiwan is just a foregone conclusion as well. So we'll see. And again, none of this is particularly bullish for broader markets, unfortunately. Um, but the markets had been on this course prior to this in a meaningful way. Go back again to the fall before anybody really started talking about any of this in earnest. Yeah, you know, one thing is interesting, and when you think about, um, you know, kind of the bits versus atoms trade, and and um, you know, especially as it relates to tech, you'd think that some of these internet or SaaS companies are immune to some of these issues. Go back, remember when Snap had that really bad quarter? Now, obviously, it had a much better quarter um, that they announced uh, last month. But in the fall, they actually talked Snap talked about inflation hurting their um, ad budgets, and I think that's really interesting. It's not something you know. We know that advertising, digital advertising it's a huge secular story but you're going to have these kind of fits and starts where some of these companies that rely on advertising um you know if companies are getting squeezed and they don't have the product to sell and their sales guidance can be lower they're going to cut back where they can and that could be um digital ads so i think that is something kind of worth um thinking about are you guys um wolf and in, in stock market news are you guys focused um at all hey dan on, on, i'm sorry to do but I, you got I, it guy I, yeah i apologize guys yeah thanks for, i appreciate you guys having us really do thank you thank you so much guy have a great day thanks guy yeah guys we'll do it again I, i'm running up against 10 o'clock i gotta get on something too um but is is once if china uh, if Russia, Ukraine were to, say, have a diplomatic solution, which we kind of all hope they do, do you guys think that emboldens the Chinese? Is there's there something, at least some sort of like provocation that happens in the next couple of weeks? And you, are you worried about what might happen in the markets? I'm not as much an expert in that area. But what I will say is a guy kind of hit it there. The Russia-Ukraine situation is much more commodities based. How much is, is it going to affect these other broader companies? But I think the China-Taiwan situation would actually have some impacts on it. So I think if we're seeing how the market is reacting to this situation, I think it would be more. If it's going to happen, I have absolutely no idea, but I, I do feel the market's reaction would be, would be worse than what we've seen now. Yeah, so we'll, I mean, 
and I would just say, I guess my two cents there is that it just exasperates, you know, kind of the, the inflation uh, fears, the supply chain fears, that sort of thing, even if it just pushes it out. And that's really the story of 2021 in a way is that, you know, in the spring, we're like, all right, Rip Warren, you know, we're going to have hot vac summer, all that sort of stuff. Everything's going to reopen. And then Delta and then Delta clips Q3 GDP massively. And then Omicron, same thing. You know, I don't know if you guys remember September, October up oh, COVID's over. And then we had this wave that just kind of literally was a massive wave across the planet and Q4 GDP into Q1 clipped a little bit here. So, you know, might these geopolitical situations do the same thing to growth? And, and that's really kind of, I guess, the real question. Listen, I guys, wanna... I, I, uh, I, I really appreciate you guys hopping on with us. And, um, you know, we tried this new time at 930. Unfortunately, I, Guy and I both had um, things to do at 10. So so we appreciate you guys jumping on our trading spaces. We always really enjoy the ones that you guys do. If you're here because of us, follow these two guys, Wolf and Stock Market News. They work their butts off and they're really creating a great community on their uh, Twitter spaces. And they're doing them basically all day and night. So just turn on spaces, look for them and uh, learn about what people are focused on in the markets. I love hearing other voices. I'm sick of hearing my voice and Guy Adami's voice, but we appreciate you guys being here with us for Trading Spaces. We also do Market Call, Guy and I, and it streams on YouTube Live, on Open Exchange, and on Twitter. We just launched this at 1 o'clock, so tune in. Check out our Twitters today at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. We will be doing that. We're going to be joined by Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. So thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate it. You can find this conversation in our podcast feed, uh, Trading Spaces. Thanks, guys. Awesome, Dan. We'll have to run it back. Thanks, guys. Definitely. We'd love to. See you later. Bye-bye. All right. Take care.